stop giving a crap what the going rate is. When it comes to risking life, limb, property, all these other things with projects, we're settling for scraps as contractors. And then you wonder why people don't wanna come into the trades. I think you wanna fix the recruiting issue in the trades. Start being the type of individual, personal discipline, home life, and wallet that's attractive to the rest of the world. More people are gonna to wanna to go into the trade, damn it. Less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. Marna, I sense a little bit of fandom happening on your end uh, with no. today's guest. Uh, I know I, I, it's actually pretty recent, right? So I told you we were going to have Tom on the podcast, and then yeah. you went and looked him up and did a huge deep dive, right? Well, I told Tom about this before we started, but. I did, I'm sorry to say I didn't know who you were. He's very famous, and there's no reason to not know who he is, but I didn't. And I saw the name, so in the interest of a little research, I had a two-hour session at the gym. I stuck my AirPods in and turned on his podcast, and I just go, holy crap. I mean, every word, there wasn't anything I would even argue with, right? And I hate to say, uh, but I say a lot of the same things uh, a little differently than you do, but... <laughs> And then I went home and ordered his book, and it came the next day. I read it the next day, and then I read it again. And then I've started watching a uh, uh, YouTube channel, uh, yeah. Contractor Fight TV. Sent the book out to a lot of people. I just this morning sent one of your uh, recent YouTube TVs to a contractor I have out there in Denver. So I may lose him to you as a coaching client, but <laughs> uh, but more power to it if he, uh, if he thrives, and he will. So. Yeah, I would really, uh, I've just never uh, come across anybody where exactly in the, I just agree with everything I've heard him say. Maybe today you'll say something I don't agree with. I don't know, but <laughs> who, who knows? Who yeah, knows? And you said a little more succinctly than I do usually and uh, with very much clarity. <laughs> and I'll let people think what that means. But anyway, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Really, really uh, pleased to, looking forward to today. Well, I, I appreciate you guys having me. It's great being here. And I, I actually, this is funny, you know, you said you hadn't heard of me. And I love it when I hear that because uh, I'll give you guys an example. We, and, and again, this is, um, I, I don't expect everyone to know who I am yet. Right. Like, right. let's just get at, get that clear. This is, and this is not like a, uh, I'm never like bothered by that. However, when you look at like, you know, the size of our podcast and YouTube and social, and I had a show on HGTV and there's like all these different things, what blows my mind, spring of 2022, I think it was, I went to JLC Live. Our company had a booth there and I went out and some of our employees were there. We sponsored the beer garden. Uh, we had our booth right next to the beer and, um, you know, I had a, our whole team there and all our banners and stuff. And I was out there. Um, and there were probably four or 5,000 contractors walking through that thing. And not all of them obviously came to our booth, but maybe on a, maybe 5% had ever heard of us. Wow. And so I was like, to grow. so, and that's, that's what I said to the team. Like one of my, one of my coaches was like, I can't believe they've never heard of this fight. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, that just shows you that we're barely scratching the surface. We're like a rock skipping across the top of the lake right now. Yeah. 
we need to drop the cinder block in, man. So I, it actually fires me up because I look at the impact that we're having and barely anyone knows us yet. And right. so, so I get fired up when I hear that. Actually, I, I just I want to know it. what were you doing for two hours, though? What were you, what were you doing for? Two oh, hours I was. In the gym? It was just on a spin bike. It was a Saturday. I just do aerobics. He was he was I on a spin bike, and he has never I pumped can't. so hard because he was just so <laughs> motivated. I can't do the bike, man. I hate bikes. <laughs> well, I anyway. Uh, no, big bike for a long time until COVID <laughs> came around, and then went back to the gym and and CrossFit kind of stuff. All right. And I can't I can't wear the AirPods while I'm doing that. So. That's right. Yeah. All right. So yeah. I was just curious when you sit here in the gym for two hours. Like, yeah. Are you doing the yeah. same thing for two hours? Or yeah. Well, I was <laughs> that. Right. I was that day. Was that day? All right. Yeah. 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 Cool. Man. So Tom, you know, obviously we we just talked about how things are really growing and you're just scratching the surface, but love everything that you're putting out and it's a lot. Uh, podcast, YouTube, social media, everywhere. I'm curious from a back end standpoint. We're going to talk mm. about construction and growing businesses, all that kind of stuff in a minute. But I just want to understand from like a media standpoint, what does it take? Because, you know, we're, we've been running the show for three years now, but it's not near your scale. What does that, what does that look like? We have an amazing back-end team here in the fight. Yeah. Um, you know, it's at, and it's actually a conversation we've been having a lot lately. In fact, uh, at the time of this recording, about a week from now, our core team is going to get together off-site uh, we're all off-site. I'm the only one besides my videographer that lives in Colorado. But we're all going to meet, uh, I think, uh, where are we going? St. Louis. And we're kind of work on, you know, some of our next strategic planning and things like that for the fight. Just kind of get away. And nice. none of us live there. So, right, go somewhere where you're just out of your element. And one of the big agendas is how are we going to pour gas on what we're already doing? Because we only have one full-time videographer. Okay. Um, and then... You know, we've got, you know, myself, our videographer. I've got my um, uh, my CEO who runs our day-to-day, -day, Neil. And then we have Desiree, Roz, and Lindsay behind the scenes. That's six. And then we outsource our podcast editing and production. We've done that since day one. Uh, but everything else we're doing. And, you know, I, I appreciate you you asking, but I'm, I'm actually um, – I – the, the words, we suck at content, literally came out of my words yesterday on the phone with Neil. <laughs> because I just, I, you know, I think part of, um, part of being competitive, a high achiever yeah. and things like that is you're always not comparing like in a negative way, like I'm a loser or anything, but you're always looking for that next level of yeah. how to take it higher, how to, how to level up the quality, how to, um, you know, we shoot everything we do i'm standing in a corner of my basement right now nice and i've painted two of these walls black you know and and this is what we call fight hq it's about a thousand square feet but everything happens in this corner and um and so there's a, you know i'm i got some ideas i don't know what we're going to do yet but what we're going to figure something out because we're just um our our vision really for the fight is to create a world where construction is no longer a fallback option for people mm. and and in order to achieve that vision we gotta we gotta go a lot a lot harder than we are now you know when you were talking about that the thing i was thinking was what you've shown is that con uh, substance over form yeah your content is so good i don't care what mm -hmm. your videos look like mm -hmm. now you do you're competitive and and go for it. 
but uh, the content is what attracted me, not the not the videography. I mean, it's cool. Yeah. You have slapping and stuff, but uh, well, and, and that's you, you know, when I say level it up, I th I think we've leveled up the editing and all, and a lot of those things. There's always stuff to learn. Our team, Logan's my video guy. He's he's amazing. He's doing a great job. He's grown a lot. I'm talking just the sheer amount of volume of stuff that we're putting out. Uh, I just yeah. don't think it's enough. I mean, we have hundreds of hours of video. I mean, we have over 900 videos on YouTube that we're not slicing up and just using more yeah. of, right? You know, things right, like that. Or right, when I right, go, right. I'll do a private workshop for a company, you know, and we'll have a camera there. We're just not doing enough with that stuff. I gotcha. Yeah. You know, so that's that's really what I'm talking about. And it's it's a it's a bandwidth thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, our 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 team for for the size of our core team that I just listed, the amount of stuff they get out, not just content, but all the other things they do to run our coaching programs and events and stuff, it's mind blowing. So yeah. Um, you know, I, I think if I put one more toothpick on top of the <laughs> their load I think they're they're gonna cave, so yeah. we got to be careful. It's 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 crazy. I don't think people realize how much effort it takes to to do that splicing of all that content, and get it on, onto all the other channels, and then especially for people that look at it for maybe eight seconds and move on, it feels yeah. <laughs> feels yeah. kind of rough sometimes. But it it's it's effective, but it's also a time suck at some at, at a certain point. Well, so. I know some of these guys just for a, a you know a, I talked to other people that do what we do and yeah. i just ask them hey how long is it because you know if you don't do something mm -hmm. you're like at it doesn't take that long right yeah. you know yeah. how long can it take to edit a youtube video yeah. right <laughs> how, how hard could it be to be a contractor that's right, right you know yeah. and um and so you know some of these guys are spending eight to ten hours on a video yeah you know as as they should because we're fighting for attention also mm -hmm. it's it's more than the thumbnail like the thumbnail and the title is going to get them, right? But if you're not, you know, um, if you're not being a little, um, what's the word, uh, offering somewhat of a pattern interrupt, yeah, you know, I mean, that's, you know, Martin, you, you talked about my style and being a little in your face. <laughs> um, it's, it's two things. I decided years ago I would never not just be me. All right. I lived many, I'm 54. I lived many years where I felt like I lived a duplicitous life. Mm. Like I'd be one guy at work, one guy at home, one guy with this person, a different guy with that person. And it was a bunch, it's a bunch of mental self-talk, garbage, insecurity stuff from my past that I had to work through. And I finally came to this point where I'm like, number one, I'm just going to be me and I don't give a crap what anyone thinks about it. Um, number two, we, you know, this is the purple cow theory. If you know Seth Godin and his yeah. marketing book, The Purple Cow, right? I mean, you hop on YouTube or any social media thing right now and you scroll and I mean, Martin, what we do, we all look the same. We all say some of the same things. And so I'm like, you know, well, the purple cow, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt the pattern a little bit, Yeah. you know, and I'm yeah. going to, um, I'm going to, you know, not everyone's for me. I'm okay with that. But those that are, they'll bleed with me, you know? Yeah. So it's like, um, so, you know, it's a combination of those things. And I think that's valuable for any business. Now, you know, what, what I'll get a lot, you guys, is people will reply to um, our YouTube videos and they'll say, I would never talk to my customers the way that you talk to us here. And I said, neither would I. When I, when I was selling, when I was right. selling, you know, hundreds of paint projects a year, 
or whatever through the years, it you got to know your audience, right? You got to know you speak, you know, and it's not not being you, but it's like I'm going to treat Mrs. Jones in her kitchen very different than I'm going to communicate with the contractors on YouTube, right? Right, because it's a different persona. Yeah, and most businesses they what well, I think number one they don't know their persona. Um, number two, I think they're too afraid to make a stand with something uh and they're afraid to offend and they're still trying to please everybody you know and you can you can be polarizing without being a jerk right yeah. right like it's you know it's, hey we we only um you know we we only do additions for left-handed blind guys that that own a hot dog stand i mean you could get pretty clear with that and just go this is who we serve right right and and this whole i don't know about you guys but this whole who's your ideal client stuff is always, always feels like it's a moving target, mm -hmm. you know, like it's, um, it's taken us many years to kind of nail down who it is for us in the fight. And it's more psychographic. I guess that's the word than anything. You know, before we get too far in, there's something I really, but you, you touched on it because you brought up, I don't know if you use the word mindset, but you talked about your head trash mm -hmm. in your book. You talk about your, early life, you know, back in Illinois, he told a story about a guy who pulled up next to you in a Porsche and what you thought about him. And mm -hmm. that, I think we agree on that. Everything else we talk about goes back to mindset. And I didn't realize totally uh, until it hit me, what is the contractor fight? And if you touch on that yeah. story about the Porsche, that'd be cool too, because I thought that was funny. Yeah, I I think it was a Beamer. Um, oh, okay. Same same thing at that point. Yeah. I drove a piece of crap four hundred dollar car. It was covered in stain on a hot, humid day, going through a toll booth, and I look over, and this he had like perfect hair, you know. <laughs> he looked important. He had clean clothes on, you know. And I'm like, what a dick, you know. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. so, um, because I I was raised to think in some ways that if you uh if you made money you had to screw somebody to get it mm -hmm. um i was in a i was working for my uncle on his painting crew i was just out of the marine corps making like 12 or 14 bucks an hour this was 1993 i think it was um somewhere around there and uh you know i i just you know, we, we were always working in rich people's houses. And it's funny, until until you start making money and understand what it takes to make money and who you have to become to make money, you know, it's hard to respect people that have the money. You think they did, they were handed it, or, you know, or they were lucky or they were born that way. Um, and I, I tell you, you know, the, the more I'm in this game, um, the more I work on myself, the more I build relationships with other people that are really successful, the more respect I have for what they've had to go through and the crap they've had to own and who they've had to become. And, you know, the t how many times you have to look in the mirror really, really. And like we, one of our values is here, here's own your crap. We can touch on later, but the fight, the fight really exists. Um, you know, I, I named it the contractor fight because the fights between our ears. It's how you think it all starts there. Um, you know, I got a thing uh, hanging on my wall over there that says what we think we become. You know, I got this stuff all over. 
you know, you get more of what you focus on. So I'm looking at the guy in traffic going, what a jerk, rich people are idiots. I'm pushing myself away from wealth, mm. right? You know, I'm making the case against myself to have a life that's, you know, more financially successful or whatever success you're after. You know, I've, you know, think about your marriage or, you know, how many people are, um, they, they look at their spouse and they, they go, she's this, or he's that, or he's this. And she's, and that's the story they keep telling themselves. So every time you tell yourself that your reticular activating system in your brain, your RAS, its job is to find evidence for what you tell it. So your, your spouse might, or employee or whatever might do one thing that's annoying, right? But every time you tell yourself that, it just creates this pattern where all you could see is that one thing and then it just grows and grows and grows until you think they're just a total idiot. When the reality is, no, you just needed to reframe your thinking. You know, we all have people in our lives that, that annoy us, right? Or we all have a, a, a mindset towards something. Um, you know, it could be, you know, Martin, there's nobody wants to work these days. There's so much work out there. Nobody wants to wake up in the morning and work in the trades. Well, if you tell yourself that over and over, you're going to, your brain is wired. It's conditioned to find evidence for what you tell it is important. And so that's why, that's why in the fight, everything starts between the ears. Um, we always say here, success is an inside out game, you know, meaning, you know, our, and I guess if you want to call it our mission, it's strong use, strong home, fat wallet in that order. Right. <laughs> drop a drop a rock in the water where it hits. That's you, your mind, your body, your soul, you know, your rest. you got to take care of you. Your own your life and relationships and business are only going to be as strong as you are. And then the next ring out in the ripple is the strong home life, whatever that looks like for you. That's why the queen and I, we go on a date every day of the year. Like we don't go out every day of the year, but. It could be a walk for 15 minutes. We find time to connect and we call it date time every day is one example. Forget this date once a week crap. You know, it's, you know, I text all of our kids every day. You know, the, you know, so how's your home life? Because who you are and what's going on at home, you carry with you out into the workforce. You carry it with you into your sales calls, into your team meetings and all that, that energy. If you're not, and th this is, coming from somebody who's screwed this up, which is, I think, why I'm so passionate about this. Mm. And so, you know, what good is it for you to build this kick-ass business empire if you burn it all to the ground at home and your health and your hobbies and, you know, you're 50, 60, 100 pounds overweight, you don't do the stuff that you used to do, um, you haven't held hands with your wife in eight years. You know, this stuff's real. We hear these stories all the time. What, so, what do you what do you think it takes to trigger somebody to actually, you know, I know you've had success stories where people's mindset switched. I know mm -hmm. I've had some, but I know there's some who don't. Do people just have to finally realize it or do they just need to hear it over and over and over? Or, I mean, that how do, why does that guy do it and that guy over there not do it? And that may, may not be an unanswerable question. Well, let's, let's, Let's flip it. Either one of you guys, when you've made a change in your life, what, what made it happen? Disappointment. Oh, it, Disappointment's yeah. a huge one for me. Oh. Just looking at myself, judging myself mm -hmm. hardcore, kind of like you talked about with your, uh, you know, your media work and just feeling like we suck at content. Oh, I'm so critical <laughs> of myself, man. 
It can be yeah. the smallest thing. It can be how I look in the mirror sometimes. It can be looking at my mile time after a run. It can be looking at just the clients we have or the project we did, whatever. Mm -hmm. Oof. It's hard. Disappointment. You know, for me, I've been around a long time now, uh, but it prob uh, probably about the age 50, I started realizing, and I don't know what triggered it, because uh, if you gave me Stephen Covey's book, which somebody did way back when, yeah. you know, I'd throw it on the ground. It's a bunch of touchy-feely crap. Yep. You know, I'm a numbers guy, you know, and all this. But I just realized that I my self-talk was negative. Mm -hmm. And I'm way old enough that it shouldn't be now, but it still creeps in. And I have yeah. to catch myself. Now, what triggered me to finally realize that, uh, well, I do have, I mean, disgusted. I, we use that word. We talk mm -hmm. about it, that you reach a point where that's a negative thing, but it's a positive, it can be a positive force. I'm sick of this. I mm -hmm. am sick of this. Something I talk with my clients about a lot, and I've heard echoes of the same thing with you is, you know, I'm not going to do this. Anymore. I love the way you kind of, damn it, raise your prices. <laughs> I say all the time, I say, raise your, put your chin up mm -hmm. and walk in there and do it. I don't care yeah. what you feel like. I don't like fake it till you make it. I like, mm -hmm. um, Brian Tracy says, act as if, and it will come to be. Yeah. Pick your chin up there and go in there and do it. And mm -hmm. anyway, that's a little off the topic of how you get them to change, but yeah, I that's, think it's, that's the key. Yeah, I think it's different for everybody, right? There's a moment for everyone that it could be... <laughs> um, it could be as simple as walking in the door after missing dinner again because you went on a bid that you didn't get, you were late for dinner, and there's a cold plate on the table, and you walked in, and you promised you'd be home, <laughs> right? And you're like, baby, I know I promised, but I know this deal's going to close. I'm going to go out and sell this thing because we need the money. And you walk in the door, and it's the look of disappointment on her face when she sees yeah. you walk in the door. Yeah. That could be the thing for you. You know, it could be, you know, you talk numbers, Martin, you know, I, I'd say what one of the, one of the biggest catalysts for people getting off their ass in our community is we just go, here's our job costing form, run your last five jobs through this thing, see how you did. Sometimes it's just a, just the black and white unemotional math that tells you the truth is enough for you to go, I'm done with this. So I think it's a, uh, it could be anything, but I believe it's rooted in it. At some point, you're just sick of things being the way they are. Yeah. You know, and there's also people that are winning at a high level that work with you and work with us. Right. And why do they come on board? I think because they know there's another gear and they're not, right. they're, they're exactly. proud of what they've done. That's why I still get work, work with coaches and stuff. And I work on myself every day and read books and whatever it is. Cause I know that, man, I, man, look how far I've come. I'm not even close to where I think I can be and where I can be and where I believe God has created me to be. So let's get to work. You know, what's that next level look like? So you don't have to be down in the dumps, right? And un totally a loser, broken, unsuccessful to get help and have a turning point either. You know, you said something that led to something else I had written down. You said you were quoting a hypothetical contractor walking in saying, I'm done, right? Well, you also tell a story about when you played football and your coach was attack, 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 right? Mm -hmm. But you use that to talk about, I, I don't remember the chapter title where it's like uh, quitters never win or winners never quit. Yeah. But sometimes, I mean, you make a point that I used with a guy yesterday. 
I don't want to say the point, but you know, if you're not willing to do what you got to do, what yeah. should you do? Yeah. I, you know, listen, you know, every what's, what's the old saying? Everyone, everyone wants to be a lion until it's time to do lion shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, everyone, you know, I coached high school football for 17 years where I built my businesses and stuff. I've been out of it for a few years now. And you know, before I was a head coach, you know, all the assistants, we'd be like, everyone wants to be the man. You always want to be the man until you're the man, right? And then you realize what it takes to be the man. Like, you're not just coaching your position or, or coordinating offense or your defense anymore, right? You're now dealing with the parents and fundraising and all this other garbage, and it's the same with business owner, right? So it's like, you know, I tell people all the time, like, if, if, if you're not willing to do the work that it takes in the role that you have chosen for yourself, then quit. It's yes. okay. Quit. Yeah. Doesn't mean you're a loser. Doesn't mean you're a failure. In fact, I have, I've had guys, um, who a year or so in, they come in and out of their program and they're like, dude, I'm leaving the program. It's helped me immensely. I'm like, then why are you leaving? They're like, cause I decided to shut my business down. I'm getting out of this. I don't want to do this. You, anymore. you gave me the clarity. I'm not willing to do what it takes. Cause I don't love it that much, whatever it is, or I'm going to go work for somebody else. Cause I just want to, and that is totally cool. I have zero judgment on somebody that can tell themselves the truth. What annoys me is when you see the person who's repeating the same work year, three years, five years, 20 years in a row, not making any changes, not go, being a student of the business game, not dialing in their own personal discipline around what it takes to be successful. If you're unwilling to do that, then you're better off quitting and shutting the business down because as you guys know, the the juice ain't worth the squeeze if you're not winning yeah. you know it's not for everybody not everyone has the stomach for it and and again i don't have the stomach to go be a, an employee somewhere yeah right doesn't mean i'm a bad person it just means you know there's some people go be the greatest right hand person in a business ever that you know you you see it with um i've had him on my show cameron Harold. all right he um if you know 1-800-GOT-JUNK yeah okay oh, brian yeah. scudamore yeah, yeah is the visionary Cameron's like the implementer guy, whatever they call it, you know, and he's a number two. He's like built this reputation around being a number two guy, mm -hmm. you know, that really supports the visionary and he loves his role and he's happy in that. So I, you know, I don't think enough people are telling themselves the truth about what they want because they're, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying I've, I've always nailed this by the way. Cause I think a lot of times we BS ourselves or we, um, we say we want things because that's what other people in our industry have. Mm -hmm. You know, I was in a coaching group years ago that there was like a, it was good people and stuff. I'm not ripping on them, but the culture was like, you had to build a business exactly like this. And this is how this had to go. And this had to go. And I remember just, it never felt right to me, you know? And so I encourage people to get honest with what you want. Um, you don't have to, I just read, uh, I read like a book a week. Hold on. Uh, 10X is easier than 2X. Oh, I heard Benjamin about this Hardy, book. Yeah, just Benjamin came out Hardy recently. Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan, yeah. And there's a chapter um, about determining what you want and how you don't have to justify what you want. You know, mm -hmm. like I want to build a business where I only work two days a week and I pay myself $5 million a year and I live here, right? Whatever your thing is. People are going to question it. They're going to ask you about it. Go, really? How are you going to do that? Blah, blah. You don't 
owe it to anybody to explain it. It's what you want. And not enough people are unapologetic about what they want because we're running it through the filter of what the world thinks and what our spouse thinks. And obviously you want to be on the same page with your spouse with shit, right? But you, you know what I'm saying here? Like, yeah. um, to me, that's, that's like, I hate not having clarity. Drives me crazy. And, and, I, and I hate having false clarity when I know that I haven't reached the level of honesty with myself. Um, and sometimes I'll be like, you know, my CEO, CEO and I, we were having a conversation not too long ago. And we're, he's like, well, what do you want with this area? And blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know, but not this. I don't know what I want, but I'm not willing to just say something to settle. I'm willing right. to let it hang and let, let it come to me, right? Mm -hmm. Let's keep hashing this out. It's, all, it's rolling around in our heads now in our subconscious. And I just believe, and this probably like comes with wisdom and being around and experience, right? That you just know like sometimes you just let something sit and it marinates for a while. That's that RAS working, yeah. Yeah, you know it's going to show up. And so, you know, I've learned to be a little more patient with those types of things. But I hate that false clarity. Yeah. Because it's not authentic. Yeah. This takes you back a little bit from the false clarity part, but you mentioned uh, uh, you don't have to justify one of the things I heard. Maybe you didn't say it, but I heard it was your profit. I want to I want to mm -hmm. get filthy rich. Mm -hmm. I don't. Well, that might not be looked on with favor nowadays. I've got a chapter in my book called uh, In Defense of Profit. And it's mm -hmm. seven reasons that profit's necessary. You talk about, and I thought it was a great, great metaphor, oxygen mm -hmm. on an airplane. Could you yeah. kind of tell us that metaphor there? Yeah, you know, that's, I think everyone who ever wants to make this point uses that metaphor, so it's not original to me. I um, hadn't heard it before, yeah, so you get credit for um, me. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so, you know, you... Um, Bad things happen when you don't have oxygen going to the brain. Right. And you're 36,000 feet in the sky and, and oxygen pressure goes out or whatever happens up there, pressure is issues. Um, our natural tendency is you got your kid next to you or your spouse or somebody you care about and the mask thing comes down as you grab theirs and you put theirs on because you love them, right? Problem is... Um, you have to get your own oxygen because shit could go wrong when you're trying to take some care of somebody else. And so put your mask on first, get the oxygen, oxygen flow into your brain first. So now you can function and help them. Right. Maybe their thing doesn't work. Now you're able to move them, grab another mask or whatever. I don't know. Right. But we do this in business where all in the name of taking care of our employees and our customers and being fair you know, we deprive ourselves of the oxygen to survive and build a stronger business and, and stronger you. Remember, strong you, strong home, fat wallet. And um, we actually do a disservice to our customers and our employees and our families and this and that when we don't make as much profit as we can. And listen, I'm, I'm going also on the, it's a pretty safe bet that the people that are listening to this right now are good men and women. They're not ogres right they're not greedy bastards sitting on the top of a hill in their community owning the big business and thumb on the little man kicking right? babies yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's that's 99 percent, 99.9 of business owners and contractors are people that would give you the shirt off their back right but there comes a time where you just got to plant your flag and you go i'm gonna get mine 
I got to get mine. What am I going to have to show for all this over a course of a career if I'm not focused on profit? And I don't care what your profit goals are. I just think it needs to be a lot of money. All right. Why? Doesn't matter why. Because you want to. Right? right? You do whatever you want because you started the business. You run the business. You're making payroll. You're figuring out how to market. You're putting in processes and systems. You're dealing with employees that have personal issues that you have to give them support through and all the things that you got to go on that go on in your life and this and that you deserve to make a lot of money because that's just part of the way score is kept in our world right so what you do with that profit it's totally on you pay off your debt invest in a cause that you like hire more people i don't care what you do with it it's your money and i don't judge that unless like you're a pedophile Okay. And then I think we should, you know, kill you. So, um, immediately, um, you know, evil people, you know, excluded from all this. Right. So I, I just think there's too much of this. Um, I want to be fair to my customers bullshit, you know, and here's the thing 90, it, this is the other thing, man. See, see, I stand up when I do these cause I got to move yeah. around cause I get all excited. How many videos, I don't know how many I've done, podcasts and videos about stop giving a crap what the going rate is, right? Because yeah. not you know, Martin, you wrote a dang book that's this thick on the math of business. I love it, right? Like it's, and my guess is you wrote that because you know 90% of contractors don't know their numbers. So why the hell would we care what the going rate is when 90% of contractors, in my experience that I've worked with over the past little more than a decade, when I get my hands on them, they don't know their numbers. Yet we care what the going rate is. You know, you, you know, I got this little grip thing here, you know, work my grip. Right. Right. right? I don't know. Well, I don't know what I paid for it, but I guarantee you they made 50% gross profit on the thing. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yet when it comes to risking life, limb, property, all these other things with projects, we're settling for scraps as contractors. You know, and then you wonder why people don't want to come into the trades because every contract I did, I avoided the trades like the plague because every contractor I knew in my family was broke, tired and dirty, you know, because they didn't know their numbers. And right. so I think you want to fix the recruiting issue in the trade, start being the type of individual, personal discipline, home life and wallet that's attractive to the rest of the world. More people are going to want to go into the trades. Right. Damn it. <laughs> no i i uh i love that what one thing i say about profit is absence force fraud or theft you know you're not a crook you're not an evil person mm. the more money you make the more you have evidence of the contribution you made because you can't get rich if people don't want to buy what you're selling right you right. cannot do it unless you're a crook and we're leaving them out so the better you get, the more you make, the better steward you are, the more efficient you are, the more people you employ them, you know, you have to do well in order to do good. And, and yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a sign. It, it's unethical to charge more and not deliver high value, right? Yeah. Like that should be it. a given, right? That's unethical. But if I sit down with you and I want to paint this room and I'm talking to you, Khalil, you give me a price of 500 bucks and Martin gives me a price of 3,500 bucks to paint the room, okay? If I believe 
that Martin is going to deliver what's important to me on this project. And my peace of mind is there and all this other stuff. And obviously there's no gun to my head. I could choose whatever I want. And I choose to pay that price based on the connection that we've created. That's not unethical. No. Because I'm happy to stroke the check if I know I'm getting what I want. I'm writing my next book right now. I didn't, it's fresh in my mind because I just I went through for like the eighth time uh, j- this morning. I went I went through a couple chapters and I was telling a story. Um, my wife and I, we got married a little over a year ago. We've been together for years. Um, second marriages for us. And um, we went to this resort that um, I won't name because I don't want to embarrass them, but it had the best views of the city here. You know, we pictured getting married there, overlooking Garden of the Gods and all this stuff, gorgeous views, blah, blah, blah. Man, we walked in, wedding planner girl basically goes, hi, I'm so-and-so, have a seat. We sit down, she slides the pricing packages in front of us literally and goes, which one do you want to do? Yeah, great relationship. I, I, I look at Lee, Lee looks at me, we're like, what the fuck, you know, okay. Um. She didn't ask one question. There was zero connection. We got up and left, went down the road, and spent dropped 50 grand on our wedding, which is probably 50 or 60 less than we would have done at the first place. Okay? Because this person at least asked us a couple questions about what was important to us. Okay? And so I'm I'm tired of of contractors being called crooks because they're delivering what was agreed upon. You know what I mean? Um, You are a crook if you don't deliver on what you agreed upon. You are ripping people off if you're not putting the clear scope in writing and causing a bunch of problems. I just saw a news report in Chicago. Some ladies piss because some concrete company, you know, she's like, this wasn't done the way I wanted and this wasn't done. And they showed a picture of the estimate and the guy just scribbled like sidewalk five grand, this, two grand. And then she signed it and there was nothing descriptive. There's no value in that. Right. I mean, we can go on forever on this shit, but like, you know, it's ethical. If you do, if I get what I want and I agreed to pay the price, it's ethical. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And we're just presuming that all they wanted was a concrete and what they really wanted was an experience. They Mm might've wanted some advice on what to do next. And should it be four inches or six inches? And and they, they get that trust and that experience. Had that wedding girl, planner girl, said to Lee, my wife, truly, like, hey, nice to meet you guys. If she would have just turned and looked at my wife, fiance at the time, and said, Lee, tell me about your perfect wedding day, and shut her mouth, Lee would have opened up for 20, 30 minutes. We would have walked around. She would have shared her vision. Tell me about your perfect wedding day. Help me see what you see. Mrs. Johnson, thanks for inviting me out to talk about your kitchen. Tell me about your perfect kitchen. Yeah. Help me see what you see. Let them talk. That will that makes them feel heard. And now there's this connection that happens. And now price is way down the list of what's important because you have a connection. But most salespeople, they go in. Boy, I'm going like way out of left field here. Sorry. No. Most salespeople, they go in and go. Here's all our awards. This is all our experience. This is how many jobs we've done. We're amazing. Look at us, blah, blah, blah. Here's the X5000 spray tip that we use to spray the trim and whatever it is. And none of that 
as important or valuable as it may or may not be, none of it matters because people buy for their reasons, not for your reasons. Yeah. I could, you, we all could list all the reasons why people should hire our companies, right? right? But every entrepreneur could do that. But until you truly understand someone else's reasons for wanting to do a project or hire a company for whatever, you're going to be missing the boat and underachieving in sales. Yeah. I wanted to ask, we're on the topic of sales and I just ran into this the other day, uh, talking to a commercial contractor. And uh, I was talking to him about sales and his margins and stuff like that. And he was frustrated because he's on a bid list. He has to submit his bid. He knows that he's got to be within a certain margin uh, to be able to win the job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I wanted to get maybe your perspective. If you were a commercial contractor that, or maybe the salesperson uh, for mm -hmm. a commercial contractor and you had to win more jobs at a higher margin, what would the approach be? Because uh, it's a bit different than the residential side, but also it's not. Yeah, it's a lot different. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, I was a rebar estimator for a minute. Okay. I got hired because my last name's Reber, and they hired me to <laughs> estimate rebar. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and I ended up costing, I'm not a highly detailed person when it comes to being an estimator. I cost them, I underbid like my first job but that I sold. I think I underbid it by like 50 tons or something, and oh, we got the job. Oh. We got the job at the opening. And uh, <laughs> all right, so listen. I'm not a fan of the whole here's the bid, low bid world, right? right. I understand that is a that is a game that is played. Yeah. Right? I all just like just for context, just like there's the the flipping the house house flipping game. Right? In our world, we're like you get a 50% gross profit. That's our standard that we're after. We got GCs doing 3-5 million a year subbing everything out at a 50% gross profit. Okay? Yeah. They're winning, right? So that's that's our world that we operate mostly in. We have people in these other worlds. If you're a house flipper, the game is different. If you're in commercial, the game is a little bit different when it's that public bid opening stuff, and this is where you got to be. That's just part of the game. So number one, and then we'll get this out of the way, I wouldn't play that game. Gotcha. Just me. I just wouldn't play it because I think it takes away so much of the things that you can you have control over about how you communicate, how you stay in touch, how you keep the relationships warm, right? And I don't want to play any of this, hey, take me to the, give me a suite at the baseball game and I'll tell you where you need to be on your price. That's not what I'm talking garbage that happens in the world. You know, I'm talking like, I just, I want to play a game that I, I can control, you know, my actions, knowing that my actions are going to more likely produce the outcomes that I want. Mm. That being said, I would hunt, I would go on the hunt and maybe consider... You know, where, where is your enemy not, <laughs> you know, what's the old Sun Tzu quote, right? Like the best battle to win or whatever is when you don't have to fight. Yeah. You know, where, you know, maybe you're selling whatever services to facility management companies. Okay. Um, and you could, uh, you know, everybody's doing these bid openings. Everyone's part of this certain you know, networking group or commercial community or whatever. Well, you know what? What if what would happen if you started a podcast? Yeah. Okay. Well, how's that going to get me commercial work, Tom? And and I, I'm saying this. I I I normally say this in my workshops, and I'm going to say it here in the podcast for the world now, because to my knowledge, nobody has done this yet. Nobody's done this. All right. You're uh, Norman, Oklahoma. You yeah. Say? Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Let's say you had a commercial 
um, general contracting company in Norman, Oklahoma. You go start the Norman Facility Managers podcast. <laughs> you host the show. You invite every facility manager in the state of Oklahoma to be a guest and share how to be more successful as a facility manager. Yeah. Right? Now you don't have to play the stupid bid game anymore. Right. Now they're coming on, and what's everyone's most important or everyone's favorite topic? Cost. Cost sales. Themselves. Yeah. It's themselves. Oh, oh, oh you're, yeah, right? okay. If Martin, yeah. if you're a facility manager with XYZ blah, blah, blah corporation, you've been there 30 years, I go, man, right. I'd love to have you come on my show and just share how to, you know, things you've learned, lessons you've learned that, that would help other facility managers be yep. successful. Yep, you're yep. like, you're going to feel important. You're going to share that with your network of people. And now by default, without you pitching, trying to sell a damn thing, you get on the show and you do your welcome going, hey, welcome to the Norman Facility Managers Podcast. My name is Tom Reber with XYZ Construction. And we're excited here to have Martin Holland on the show today. How are you doing, Martin? Hey, I'm doing great. Done. Let's talk about me. Everybody, now, now every guest and everyone they share it with in their world knows who you are now. Yep. So that's what I mean. I, was, I would look for where can I play the game? where either nobody's playing, they're not playing at a high level, or they're unwilling to put in the work. Because honestly, I think one of the reasons nobody does this idea is they're intimidated by the whole podcast thing. You remember before you hit play the first time, right? You were terrified like I was. I'm like, you go back, listen to episode one. I'm like, uh, hi, you know? Yeah. And I wasn't even live to the world. I'm recording it. And I'm like, hey, uh, and I was totally insecure. And you got to put the reps in and you got to get better. Take some of your marketing money Take somebody in your office who's more likely to get on a microphone and have fun with it and who's a good interviewer. It doesn't have to be you, the owner of the company, but this, this is a marketing thing that you could put some of your budget towards. And then I would say, if you did that, don't judge it for at least two years. Do a show a week for two years before you pass judgment. Start worrying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that's for the commercial world, man. I just think there's too much, um, everyone's just playing the same game. Just like you know, in the it occurs to me, world. the other thing that you would learn from doing a podcast uh, is you'd come to understand what the GCs want. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're talking to them about the problems they have, you don't have to say, what do you want? What do you not? Right. What's the best thing that ever happened? And you're taking notes over there and you want to deliver that experience to them because you understand. Yeah. It's an intel gathering interview. Yeah. Every time you do it, you're learning yeah. more about how facility managers think, you know? Hey, if you're a brand new facility manager taking over something or you're going to tell, you know, what's the first three things you're going to do with the, the first week of the, on the job? Right. You know? Yeah. If if you need some, you know, like, you don't, you, you want to make sure that you're not leading the witness in your favor, right? When you're interviewing somebody, because with a set agenda, like my goal is to get this guy to give me his work, right? No, you're yeah, truly that, adding that value. Apparent. Yeah. Yeah. You truly add value. It'll come back to you. Yeah. Um, you know, I think most salespeople do a crappy job when it comes to hunting and prospecting. Mm. You know, I think, so I'll give you, you, you asked the commercial question. I got one of our guys in our fight community. He's a commercial painter in um, Ohio. He goes uh, live on, in, on LinkedIn a lot. And he did a post where, God, he's done so many, but the one I think would be a value here. He did a post. He had an opportunity. He's got his, like, one of his main clients has all this work lined up for him and their schedule's jammed. One of his other 
ideal clients who he's not yet done any work for called him up and was like, we want you to start doing our work. He's like, I don't have the manpower, right? But what do we normally try to do? We try to make it work, right? This guy, I'll just keep it anonymous for now. This buddy of mine, he did a video. Uh, or, no, it was a post. He did a, he did a written post. And it was one of the job sites that they were on with their current customer going, we just had the opportunity of a lifetime drop into our lap with a new cl potential client. And we ran the decision to take them on through our values. And what we determined is if we take this on, we're going to have a hard time fulfilling the commitments we've already made. And it pains us to do this because we all want to think that we can handle everything and put everything on our back. And I'm, maybe there's a way this will happen. But for now, we had to say no to honor our current commitments. And it was a very heartsy post. It was vulnerability, right? It was open. It was on. That's what most people don't do in their marketing and their social media and stuff, right? Dude, he got a call like within a few hours from his main customer who he protected their schedules and they awarded him like another half a million dollars worth of work like a couple hours just, after he did that, wow. just like that, because he, so like, show us who you are. I don't, I don't care if it's residential, commercial, whatever, show us your life. I mean, you know, you, you look on Instagram you're, and Facebook, you're more likely to see posts with my wife on my hip as we travel and we do things. And I share why we do that. Posts like that generate more business for me than me doing all the crazy videos and reels and stuff, um, you know, that we do to grab attention because it's about who you are, the type of person you are. I've had guys call me up and go, man, you travel with your wife. Nobody travels with their wife. You're the type of guy I want influencing me. I want to work with your, your company. And so that's my advice to the commercial world is be, yeah. don't be so commercial <laughs> and corporate, sure. be human beings. Yeah. No, that's, that's so good. I love that. I want to uh, jump into, you know, we're, we're running out of time, but we're still going to mm -hmm. keep going. But I want, one of the things I want to make sure we touch on before we get out of here is this, um, the dream team, building your dream team as a contractor. I think it's mm -hmm. such a crucial thing, something that we're constantly having conversations about in terms of adding employees, having to let go of people, um, finding people that fit the values, all those kinds of things. What, mm. what do you recommend for people trying to build their organization to be stronger, to be more cohesive? Um, and why should they be focused on that? I hate to sound like a broken record, but I'm going to start with a repeat of what I said earlier because it's it's every, we operate this way in the fight from everything. Build a strong you, build a strong home, make money, right? When you do that, all right, let's just say I build a strong me. If you're looking at a guy, and and when I say in shape, I don't need you need to be a bodybuilder, but when you look like we all know him, right? The fat slob contractor with the, the, the ugly dashboard with crap in it and all this. And then you look at a guy who's relatively fit, right? Got a nice clean vehicle and you go, which guy would you want to work for? Just initial impressions. You're going to go with the guy who looks like he's a little more squared away. Yeah. So right. I think that personal discipline piece, again, um, you know, if you're overweight, but you're working on it, good for you. Great. You're being an example. Okay. If, if, um, if you've been struggling at home with your relationships, but you're working on it, you're being an example. 
If you're struggling as a leader, you haven't been the best leader, but you sit your team down and you own it. You're like, guys, I'm real. I'm learning some things and I'm realizing like, I've really let you guys down in some ways and I'm working on it. And this is some of the things that I'm doing, you know, and I want to have an open conversation with you guys of how I can be better. Now you're being an example of how to grow and get better. And I, I think confidence comes with that. And then people are attracted to that confidence. They're attracted to somebody who's going to be an example, right? They're attracted people, the winners you want to hire and recruit that you want working for you. They're going to be attracted to people that are winning and an environment where they look at that and they go, Hey, I could go win there too. So I think the hiring thing starts with getting your own shit in order, right? Yep. Second, um, which is all part of this is you got to make money, right? I mean, it's let's having profit like we talked about everything's easier when you have profit you know you can hire a better company to do the headhunting for you to hire the project manager that you need when you have money you can you can do things at a higher level you can pay more for the better office manager instead of the bargain one you know to help your systems get in place so there's that next it's what i call being a student of people it's the people game. Uh, I lit and I, this is it's so many things you're asking me that are so fresh on my mind based on conversations I've had with people in the last 24 hours. So it's <laughs> kind of funny. I was just talking to somebody about the people game the other day that if, if you are a leader in any way, shape or form, and you're not dedicating some of your educational time, reading podcasts, you know, getting coached, whatever, on how to better understand and communicate and deal with people. And I don't mean deal with in a negative way. I mean, how to, you know, how could you be of value to more, to your people? How can you get the most out of them? How could you truly, um, you know, I think in a lot of ways, it's like it is with prospects, you know, it's understanding what their motive is, what are their goals, what, what do they want to accomplish in life, and how can I help them get there? They're going to be more likely to not, number one, want to work for you, and number two, stay. And number three, bring their friends, because their needs are getting met. And there are so many responsibilities in a business and so many hats, you guys, that somebody listening to this might be like, I'm going to learn how to sell. I got to learn the math. I got to do this whole people game garbage. I got to do this. And I come back and I go, when you make more money, other stuff's easier. Okay. So that's why one of our rules in the fight is don't mess with the money. Right? Like it's don't just don't mess with the money. You know, one of my other buddies says, don't F with the money. That's his thing. But I just think, you know, when you, when you show up as an individual with the right habits and the discipline and consistency that carries over to home, that carries over to the business, that carries over to how you deal with your people and how you make money, because how you do one thing is how you do everything. And success is an inside-out game. So you want to build a dream team? Be more attractive, number one. Um, Next, I think it's, um, you know, the benefits of that. I mean, obviously, you're going to make more money. It's, you know, just like good marketing attracts great clients, you know, building a great culture and a great team where you, you know, you operate from uh, what's it called? The platinum rule. Yeah. You know, treat others how they want to be treated. Want to be treated. Yeah. You know, you, you build that sort of a culture. There's more joy. There's more fun. There's more recognition. There's more celebration. Um, people are more likely to have each other's backs in a company like that, you know, and happy people make more money. They're more productive, right? 
So they make more money for them, for the company. Well, one thing I know, Martin, you have so many questions still. I want to build on this a little bit with the dream team and focus on a specific role because it's been one that I've been curious about for a while now. And that's really mm -hmm. like an executive assistant type role. And mm -hmm. I, I guess you could say right-hand man, but I, I would say more focused on, you know, being a partner in crime with you rather than being so focused on everything else in the company. Um, do you have, I think you have an executive assistant and how long have you had them? What pushed you to, to get them in place? And what is that relationship like today? Yeah. So her, her name is Rosalind. That's what I thought. Roz, yeah. Roz goes by Roz. And, uh, I found her on LinkedIn back in, uh, I believe it was 2015. Okay. Wow. I, I went on the hunt because I just heard you should have one. And, and I stink at all things administrative. Yeah. And I'm like, and I always have, and I'm just like, I don't really want to get better at this stuff. Cause I'm, I, I want to work on my strengths, if that makes sense. And yeah. so, um, I believe let's make enough money to hire people that are good at other stuff. So then I don't, you don't have to do that. Right. So. I started with a five hour a week package with her. I didn't know how to implement her user for the first year or so. It oh, was wow. truly me. Like, not that she didn't do anything, but I just didn't, we didn't have a plan. I mean, we didn't have a lot of things with the fight. Wasn't the fight. We didn't have the programs. We, I had no, I didn't know where we were going. I just knew we were doing something at the time. I was just speaking and doing a little bit of one-on-one -on -one coaching. And so she's really been here since the beginning of this thing close to it um and has been an integral part of the fight she's part of the dna here and now you know a few years ago we moved her to full time she does a lot of things you know that you know i don't even know all the things she does anymore mm -hmm. but she's um she's a godsend so i i always recommend if like if you don't have an assistant like get one um give them your inbox and give mm. them your schedule. Yeah. Start with that. Um, and, and listen, I, I still <laughs> step on her toes with those things. Cause I'm such a control freak sometimes. So it's not like I haven't arrived with this yet after however many eight years or whatever, nine years it's been almost. Um, but you have so many decisions to make as the CEO or whatever your role is in your business that, um, you'll be blown away by how much more efficient you are, you know? So then, you know, often what happens is if you're, I mean, if you're doing, call it 10 or 15 hours a week of administrative stuff that you could give to somebody, even on a part-time basis, that what, think about all that frees you up to do, you know, business development, all the job costing you've been blowing off the training you need to do with your guys. Um, maybe it's, um, you know, working on your vision or whatever it might be because you've freed up this time. And now every time we free something up in our business, it, it opens up a new level of growth for us. Right. And then, then I, I recommend like personally, you know, the administrative stuff, um, then the actual doing of the thing. Okay. Um, and then, then the marketing, then the sales is like the last to go in, in my mind, you know, but yeah, I think, um, a great resource is called buy back your time by Dan Martell on this. He goes into depth of how he, uh, um, 
how he hires and onboards a, an assistant. So Dan Martell, I have to look that Dan up. Dan Martell. Yeah. Buy back your time. Cause it's really about buying back your time. You yeah. want to, you, you buy back enough of your time. You can grow your business more. Love it. Cause Love these it. things still have to get done. A lot of people are like, Oh, yeah, I yeah. just, no, things have to get done. And then, you know, and that might, you know, the things Roz does, that's her sweet spot. That's where she comes alive. And you know, those things like, or like a coffin for me. Yeah. You know, uh, the key of having more money, I mean, head trash is first, I think, mm -hmm. uh, from everything I've heard from you and, and having more money makes everything work. If we've got somebody listening, maybe this is too granular, but what's something they can do tomorrow because it's already late afternoon or maybe today that can start them down that path to making more money. I mean, that would, I'm not waiting for my website to work. I've got some quotes coming mm -hmm. up. What can I do? To start making more money? Yeah. For, yeah. All right. Well, two things. I'll, I'll give you a mindset thing and then I'll give you a tactical thing. How's that? That's what I want. The, mi yeah. the mindset thing is you got you to start reframing your, your self-talk, right? So if you're telling yourself like I did for years, Reavers never make money. I'll never make that type of money. That's a problem. Reframe that stuff. You know, I have a, I have a, book here that I, I write in, you know, every, every day. And I just have my affirmations on here. I got them all over my phone. Like I'm a magnet for money and success. You know, I choose to be wealthy, like all these things I continually barrage myself with because most of the messages we get in the world are anti that, you know, um, and also whatever our worldview is growing up, right? Like you bring that with you. So if you're not combating that, like those, um, those, those negative self-talk things, like I thought about the guy next to me in the car, you know, he's a jerk. He must've ripped yeah. somebody off. Right. So you get, just got to re restart reframing stuff. Number one, I don't want to, and that's not some woo woo thing, guys. It's like, you get more of what you it's focus real. on. Number two, um, you want to make more money immediately. Um, I am picking up the phone. I am doing what's called an, a UIT, unexpected intentional touch. That is a term. I, I, I've been doing these for years, but I never had a term form. It's a term that one of my coaches uh, actually calls these. So I ripped it off. And um, it's basically, you know, let's say I, I build a thing for you khalil right i don't know whatever the thing is i build you a deck who cares right yeah um or a you know a, a, a building or whatever i'm gonna pick up my phone <clears throat> and three times a day takes about maybe 15 minutes of your life each day okay i'm gonna pick a past client i'm gonna send him a text or a video via text. That's my way. This is not a bulk message. This is, hey, Khalil, it's Tom from ABC Construction. I was just thinking about the thing that we built for you last year. Um, I know you said prior to us doing it, you had tried a couple other things that didn't seem to last. And I, it's been about a year. I wanted to see how it's holding up. How is it, how's it looking? Hit me back when you get a minute. That's it. It is not a sales pitch. It is not what can I bid on because what happens with this is all you're doing is you showing them that you still give a crap. Yeah. Most of us do a job, we do a sale, you know, and then it's like wham, bam, on to the next one, right? And 
This one thing done consistently, what we found, we've been teaching this for years, uh, turns into about a 5% conversion rate annually of, of new work. So Bob is a GC of ours in the Midwest. And I was telling this story at our event a month ago in Denver. Bob was there and he was off to my left. And I'm like, are you cool if I tell this story? And he's like, yeah. And I said, good, because I have a slide for it. So anyway, um, <laughs> and there's 400 contractors in the room. And I go, I said, and I read a text that Bob had sent me. He goes, dude, these UITs are no joke. He said, in the last 12 months, I've deposited over a million dollars in my bank account from this, this action each what? day. Wow. Okay. And because what happens is they'll be like, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's still looking great. Blah, blah, blah. All right, cool, man. I was just thinking about you. Wanted to make sure we're good. Fist bump. See you later. Right. Occasionally they'll be like, oh, you know what? It's so cool to hear from you because we were thinking about this, or my neighbor was talking about this, or my father-in-law was talking about this, or the thing you built for us, it's great, but we just realized it ain't big enough. We need it bigger. Okay. That's what happens to Bob and many others. So I'm up there telling this story. I get off stage. I walk over, I give Bob a hug. One of my talk is done. And I'm like, dude, thanks for letting me share that story. He goes, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He says, while you were telling the story, I sold another $130,000 from that. Okay. <laughs> wow. I did a talk in Florida a week yeah. or two ago, sitting in there. When I do my talks, I have everyone pull out their phone and I go, I want you all to send a UIT right now to somebody that you did a project for. Every time I do it, somebody makes some money. Like kid, 30 year old kid sold a $15,000 project five, 10 minutes after I had him do this. I did a commercial or a, um, I had a private workshop for a painting company. Within 24 hours of me having them do that in the workshop, they had 80 grand a new business. Okay. So that is hands down the number one thing. And I want to work the math with you guys on this because consistency is key. All right. There are about 264 work days a year if you take out holidays and weekends. Okay. If you send three of these a day consistently, all right. It doesn't take but a minute or two. Now, the, the time is the only time that's required is when they engage in a conversation with you. Hey, give me a call because I wanted to ask you something now. And, you, and then you, but this is not a pitch. This is I care about you because you do. That's why you do this. I want to know what's going on. I want to know how the thing's looking. How's it holding up? Whatever. So that's 792 at bats a year times 5%. You're walking with about 39 projects times your average project size. If it's 25 grand, it's dang near a million yeah, more dollars. A million dollars. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Some of them are going to be three grand. Some are going to be 200 grand, but you get the point. And is it going to be exactly 39 projects? No, but I guarantee it'll be 39 sales conversations. Yeah. And maybe they won't do it now. Maybe yeah. they'll do it later. So this is what we talk a lot about in the fight is you got to stack the small things every day that compound over time to get you to where you want to go. You got to win those moments. And that that's where, that's one of my biggest complaints of salespeople in general, whether you're the owner or a salesperson, I don't care what your role is, but you're selling stuff is you're like a freaking baby bird, right? In the nest, waiting for the Google gods to feed you a worm, right? Uh, uh, give me a lead company. Give me boss. Give me a lead. 
Go um, find your own leads. They're sitting right there in your database. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how much money is waiting for the average contractor. It might not be a new, well, you know, I built them a house or I built them a new building. They're not going to do that every year. Yeah, but you know what? They might go, we've been thinking about, you know, having a company do maintenance. You know, do you guys do that? It's a conversation. Yeah. Right? Or maybe it's, hey, Joe, checking in on you. Oh, hey, man, I don't work there anymore. I actually got, I actually took a new job and I'm over here now. Yeah. Because life changes. So, for God's sake, just do do three you know, days a day. What I, what I like about that so much, that's a perfect answer. I, that's not what I was expecting. I thought you were going to say get your margins 50%. But hopefully somebody listening to us, Khalil, is doing that right now. I hope so. Right? Yeah. I mean, I love that stuff. That's something sitting around moaning because you don't have work. What can I do? What can mm -hmm. I do? There you go. <clears throat> Well, well what, if they, what if they tell me that it isn't so good, that they had some problems? That's an opportunity 100%. to prove now yourself. You know. Now you know. Yeah, right. and you can up your reputation by fixing it or yeah. taking care of them. Sorry. Well, yeah, and I'll, and I'll yeah. piggyback your, your 50%. Like, guys, in our world, it's it's your direct job cost, cost of goods sold times two, sell it at that and no less, right? That's a, you want to make more money immediately, yes, it's price your work properly. But my mind went to... No, you know, I don't have no, any that money was coming better in. Than what so I thought. what do I do? So, well, what I love about it is it's so many times. So, so I talk to people all the time about, man, what can I do that's new, what that's different that I'm not doing already, and they're mm -hmm. thinking about starting Facebook ads for the first time, or they're thinking about doing some specific event to bring people in, or whatever it is. But the reality is, like, just double down on what you already have. Like, so much word of mouth is by far the biggest source of business for for. Uh, for contractors, yeah. really for a lot of businesses, yeah. why not just double down there? Because well, you're definitely think, missing. Yeah, when people think pros here prospecting, they think like new people, new relations. You could prospect yeah. your own database, Yeah, right? You nurture it, you fertilize it, you give it some sunlight and some water and some love, right? And it's, um, and it's, it's like 70% easier to sell an existing customer than it is to sell a new customer. Yeah. So... You know, um, you said something in one of your uh, YouTubes that, that I agree with all the time is if you're mm -hmm. selling, you're in the selling mode and your objective, your win or lose is, did I get the sale? You're going to mm -hmm. fail a lot. Yeah. If your objective is to find out what they want and what they don't, you know, their unhappiness or their happy, what, what their vision is, you can win almost every time. Some people are, won't talk to it's, you. It's, are we a good fit? That's it. Yeah, and your UIT is perfectly call. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh and and listen, here here's another one. Um warrant the warranty call. Most companies run from warranties. Right? Cuz the I'll just speak for myself way back in the day, I used to look at it like oh man, if there's something wrong, I'm going to have to pay to have it to fix it. Right? And you have that short minded short view look on i gotta go out and drop a thousand or two thousand bucks to make something right if there's a warranty issue well the truth is there's usually not a warranty issue all right and if there is you want to address it because you don't want you want to be it's part of building your brand and your reputation and that thousand bucks five thousand whatever it costs you go fix it to me that's marketing money out of the marketing budget that's well spent so what we started doing is we're like, when are people's labor warranty up? 
and we would call a couple months before and just go, Hey Martin, it's Tom with, you know, whatever. Um, I was looking at our CRM here. Our computer's telling me that your warranty's up in a couple months. It's time to schedule your warranty visit. You're going to be like, what's that? What? And I'm going to say, Hey, you know, uh, usually we would like send our crew leader out who did the job or whatever, right. cause they already had a relationship. Um, Hey, you know, so-and-so is going to come out, take 15, 20 minutes, just walk the project with you, inspect the deck or whatever it is, just to make sure if there's any issues that are popping up. We want to make sure that we get those addressed and they don't end up on your to-do list later. And people are blown away because you're running toward the warranty work. You rarely ever have to do anything. Um, the law of reciprocity kicks in. You've done something nice for me. We found about 38 to 40% of the time we did a warranty visit on site with somebody. It turned into an opportunity for more work because they're like, hey, while you're here, yeah. would yeah. you mind looking at this and giving yeah. me a price That's on brilliant. this? So yeah. there's so many that we, we live in this world. I'm all for these things and computers and automations and CR or um, AI and whatever, right? But I think there's some serious low-hanging fruit in the average company about personal touch mm -hmm. and just giving a crap. Gary Vaynerchuk says that Vaynerchuk says the number one business growth strategy, care. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like just yeah. care. And however that comes out, um, you you will be uncommon in a world of a bunch of lookalike contractors that don't stand out. Yeah. Man, so good. So, so good. Tom, I want to make sure that we connect our listeners with you before we get out of here. And uh, man, tell us a little bit about the contractor fight and how people can actually work with you, whether it's through workshops or summits or whatever it is. And then obviously we will get all this stuff for social. If they don't follow you already or haven't seen you, we'll put all that in the show notes. But how can they actually work with you, Tom? Yeah, I, well, I appreciate that. You know, the First thing is they can go to thecontractorfight.com and check out what we have. The two biggest ways are we have a group coaching platform there. That's our, our main flagship thing. Um, you know, people are interested in that. And this it's called Battleground. And the second is our workshops that we do. Um, you know, we don't, we don't really do one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, you know, we'll come in and do a workshop for you and your team, deliver you know, the goods and it'll be customized to you guys. Those are the two main ways. And then we have our events and stuff that we put on throughout the year. Um, so the contractor fight.com. Um, if you want to connect on social, I'm on Instagram a lot at real Tom Reber. And obviously you guys have mentioned YouTube and all that other stuff before. Yeah. So, but I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you letting me share that. Absolutely. And the name of your book is the contractor fight. Winning the contract. Winning the fight. contractor fight. Yeah. If you want to buy that, we'll get a link to the Amazon uh, book for. They can get it for free on the website. Just pay shipping and handling. So oh, okay, well then um, go to the website to buy the book. Martin, I'm telling you, if you just go to the I, website, you could have sent it for free to everybody, man. Yeah, I, well, you know that's what? where I'll be I'll going just, from now. Just send me your mailing address. I'll send you a box of them. How's that? There oh, you go. So, you're going to get the mailing. Yeah, address. seriously, <laughs> sure. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's too good. It's uh, and it's. People really enjoy reading it. Uh, that's been my experience so far. Guys are actually actually reading it. You know, it's it's funny. Um, all right, this this is uh, a little weird, but we talk a lot about owning your crap, right? Yeah. You got to own your yeah. crap, okay? And I realize 
over the years, I got so good owning my crap that I never took any time to own my greatness because mm. we all have greatness. You know what I mean? So I kid you not last night. So this is just me trying to put into practice, not always just owning my crap. I, uh, last night I pulled the book out. Um, cause I, I'm mailing one to, to somebody I met a couple weeks ago and, um, I was sitting on the couch and I opened it up and I just started reading. I think I read the introduction and I'm like, huh, this isn't pretty, too bad. <laughs> like good. it was cause I hadn't, yeah. I really hadn't read it since I wrote it three years ago or whatever it's been four years ago, something like that. So it's just kind of funny. It, it, yeah. I, I read it and I'm like, you know what? This is helpful. It's going to help you. So I appreciate you sharing it with people. And, yeah. um, and like I said, full disclosure, you just sent me your book and I haven't gotten around to reading it, but I flipped through it a little bit. And if you don't have Martin's book, go get it. Um, and I'm happy to put that, you know, we have a resources thing on our website, Martin. So we'll get your book on there Oh, nice. and people can grab them. Sweet. And, um, you know, cause, uh, you, you go, it looks like it's like an MBA on business math in that book, man, is what it looks like to me. So, <laughs> well, sometimes it's intimidating to people, but it's not that there's a mm -hmm. section in there called understanding financials without, uh, numbers or math, yeah. just what are they? And then if you're curious how to really use them to make decisions, the examples are in there. Yeah. So anyway, we're, we're not here to tout my book. Our, our podcast listeners are fully aware <laughs> well, that I have written I'll, a book. <laughs> we're we're going we're gonna to get it on our site, so make sure yeah. you, wherever you want us to uh Yeah, I'll send you another one people. to give. Yeah. You've got a rock star uh, bookkeeper, right? Yeah. That mm -hmm. she works mm -hmm. for other people, too? Yep. If you would get me, I, I think it's our she. Yep. Yeah, her name's uh, Gina. I'll yep. send her one. and uh, Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be happy to do that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, something I love that you do in a lot of your videos, I think it's primarily on your shorts, is you you uh, you end it with the I'm out. So maybe we can end that end our episode with an I'm out and, uh, All right. and take, say goodbye to the cash flow contractors. All right. Cash flow contractors, I appreciate you letting me hang out with you guys today. You guys rock. I got to roll. I'm out. Thanks for listening to the cash flow contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.